we just said, let's come together. What could we do together in unity and oneness that we couldn't do by ourselves? The big, big goal was to eradicate Bible poverty. Welcome to the Essentially Translatable podcast brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. I'm Rich Rodowski. And I'm Emily Wilson. As we get ready for today's episode, Emily, two words for you. Hobby Lobby. I love Hobby Lobby. It's magical. It is a magical place. My wife, as you know, is big into crafts, and so uh, Mm -hmm. Hobby Lobby is a place that we have been from time to time. In fact, we met at a summer camp, and she was the crafts director, and I was the (laughs) the guy who ditched his cabin (laughs) and skipped arts and crafts until she called me out on it, thus (sighs) beginning our wonderful relationship (laughs) all these years later. But uh, we've had our share of time at Hobby Lobby, and it is really a a unique place. I love it. Yeah, I spent quite a bit of time growing up there. And yeah, skills with flower arrangements or school supplies or crafts and projects always group projects and but I've really enjoyed too over the years watching how they use their faith as an opportunity to be able to share that too with people who wouldn't otherwise have exposure to the church maybe they're just in for craft supplies but they're able to see scriptural merchandise and things like that it's just really exciting Yeah, and one of the folks that is responsible for that ethos is a guy named Mark Green, who we're going to talk to a little bit. And Mark is a champion for Bible translation, and we're going to talk with him. He's going to talk some about return on investment and being a businessman and trying to mesh that with ministry. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of an interesting approach and just a unique perspective on how folks think about their work in the gospel and and how God uses uh, gifting Mm -hmm. and skills from everybody in different ways. It's true, yeah, that he has equipped each one of us with our own unique gifts and talents and how we can work together to just share his light and love with the world around us. Yeah, so Mark Green is the Ministry Investment Officer for Hobby Lobby and the founder of Mardell Christian Education Supply Stores. He's also a leading champion of Illuminations, a collective impact alliance, working to eradicate Bible poverty by 2033. So sit back, enjoy the ride, and we are going to hear from Mark Green. We are glad to welcome Mark Green to the podcast today. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you, Rich, Emily. Looking forward to today and excited to talk about translation. So, Mark, can you share a little bit with us about your background and how you have uh, started with the Hobby Lobby stores and then even further into that, what your role is and what you do for the company now? Yeah, it uh, was an interesting childhood for me, actually. My father was in the retail business. He's a PK, a preacher's kid, and his mom and dad, my grandparents wanted preachers. And so <laughs> he had five siblings and they got five out of six because preacher and missionary was the ultimate and everything else was kind of whatever. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, my dad felt a little second class actually, but he just actually didn't do real well in school. So he went and worked in the retail business, just being a stock boy. And then my mom worked at a soda fountain. And so they got married at a young age and he did very well in the retail business <laughs> But it got to the point that he only got two days a month off. He got every other wow. Sunday off. And so he was trying to line up his goals, which was God, mm-hmm. family, and work. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of getting out of proportion and stuff like that. So in 1970, my dad went to the bankers and tried to borrow as much money as he could. And they gave him $600. <laughs> and so for $600, he could buy a chopper, 
a machine that would cut wood and some sticks of wood to make frames. So in 1970, I was nine, my brother was seven. Uh, we started a company called Greco, Green and Pico. Uh, and we'd glue frames and we did that for two years, <laughs> seven cents a frame. My dad kept his job. So my mom worked for free and we got paid seven cents each as children. And then my mom picked us up after school and we went down to several palsy and they different ones with different situations could glue frames and, and it was a, a, an income for them. Okay. So anyway, we did that for two years. Then 1972, my dad finally opened the first little Hobby Lobby store, 600 square feet. And wow. we cut the frames in the back of the, it was a little house. And we cut the frames in the back room and the front room. We sold arts and crafts. Yes. And so uh, in 1975, my dad finally quit his job. He was making 26,000 a year, cut it down to 13,000 a year. Hmm go to work for himself and Hobby Lobby started with two stores, then to three, and then the day has 900 stores. And wow. so that's kind of my background, braided up retail. It started, it was in our home, you know, we mm-hmm. do the frames. So, and then in 1981, I was 19. I quit school also. So we're not good role models for school. <laughs> so, you know, we love school and all four of my kids graduated first graduates. Thank yeah. goodness, you know, from college. And so I started what's called Mardell, which is a Christian bookstore and educational store. And so I did that for 34 years, then about four or five years ago for succession planning reasons and all that. Now my role is a ministry investment officer. So uh, I kind of mm-hmm. coordinate and work with all of the giving that we give. And then about half of my life is spent actually in, in the translation world with illuminations, trying to make sure everybody on planet earth has scripture in their heart mm-hmm. language. Awesome. And thank you very much for all of your heart in Hobby Lobby and Mardell, because that is such a blessing for millions of people who have been able to have a witness to to scripture through the workers there at Hobby Lobby, but also the things that you keep on your shelves. I mean, I've seen people who have exposure to to scripture as they shop through the stores. Maybe they they don't know Christ. So that's always exciting to see. True. Uh, yeah. They yeah. see that art on the wall in their friend's home mm-hmm. or uh, the, that stuff. And, and yeah. it's a yeah, great opportunity for. We're always playing music. You know, <laughs> right. Yeah. Bass and all that stuff. So those are always the little things that we can do to try yeah. to be a, how do you be a living witness of, of who you are? So Absolutely. So we, since this podcast started, really, we always end up having to talk something about COVID because it's just been such a thing. So <laughs> tell us just a little bit about, because, you know, it kind of helps folks know that yeah, you're a real person trying to make stuff work just like everybody else. So when COVID first hit, you know, what did that, how did that affect your life? Um, you know, and, and how did you process and work through that? Yeah, that's been interesting for all of us, isn't it? Yeah. Instead of asking people, how are you doing? I ask them, what'd you learn during COVID? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Hopefully learn something, some bad stuff, some good stuff. But that's a long story, yeah. Rich. So I'm going to try to get it down short, you know, and just give you the real highlight version. I call it the six O's of COVID. It was mm-hmm. uh, an unusual experience, but six weeks in a row, the Lord just put a different O word on my heart, okay. you know. Now, the first week I didn't get it because the first week I was skiing at Breckenridge and I was skiing with thousands of people. And the next day, all this ski lift shut down. I didn't know it. And I walked out, where'd everybody go? Did the rapture happen or what? Cause <laughs> spring break and skiing, all there right. are people, yeah. right? And there's nobody. I wow. mean, you're like, what happened? And they shut it all down. We had, I had 19 of my family members, my wife, our kids, our grandkids. We had 19 of our 21 gang there. And so I call that the oblivious time. My first <laughs> I was oblivious. I was oblivious. I went ahead and went on spring break, took a chance. And now I'm trying to get back home. And then it went to overwhelmed the next O. My dad is nearly 80. He'll be 80 this year. And uh, on a phone call, unbeknownst to me, with all the officers of Hobby Lobby, he asked me to be in charge of cash flow. 
And so <laughs> I freaked out, right? Because I got 45,000 people on this boat, and I don't know if we're going to, we're in L.A. I don't know if we're going to San Francisco. Are we going to Miami? Are we going to Hong Kong? Right. Nobody can answer that question. All they said is just don't run out of gas. So now you got only so much gas, you right. got all these people, and how yeah. are we not in a crash? So unfortunately, my faith was not as strong as I had hoped, you know, because mm. I freaked out. It caused tension in myself. It caused tension in my own family and all that stuff. And so thankfully, God was giving me a different O each week. And so <laughs> and these O's I come in and out of, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but the next one, and again, I, I won't go into the whole story, but uh, it was Overcomer. I just knew God put in my spirit we were going to be overcomers. Didn't know what it was going to look like. Didn't know how, how it was going to happen because here we are. We got 900 stores and we're shutting them down, 800, right. 700, 600. So even in the middle of that, God gave me a sense of being an over, we'd be an overcomer. Then the next Saturday, it was the word onward. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I realized that we got this ship ready. We're going to shut all the stores down, but we're going to have to open ball back up. We got to get ready to go onward. And so mm-hmm. we got to think about the future and all that. And I have seven adventure partners. And so I was sending something to my seven adventure partners because, hey, I'm in over my head. I'm right. overwhelmed. You guys pray for me. These yeah. guys have been with me for almost 20 years now. And whenever I get in over my head, they're there for me. So I sent out these four O's and said, wow, the Lord's put these O's on my mind. You know, and one of my guys said, I know your next O. And I'm like, there are no next O's. Onward's the last O. Right? You're, onward, <laughs> you're, there, you're there. And he wrote this very nice paragraph. And he says, you're, you will overachieve. You know, and so I'm like, okay, I like that. Overachieve, you know, but I don't know what to do with it. I got to go back and get, get ready, you know. Yeah. And so I'm a runner, I'm training for, to, for half marathon, I have a goal to get a medal in my age group in the half marathon. And so I go out on a Saturday, wind is 22 miles per hour, the windiest, I write down the wind, I know the humidity, I know everything, every Saturday, because that's my long runs. In three years, I've been just doing this intense training. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm off pace. And then uh, anyway, Lord did several things and I wound up running my best time ever, huh? you know, it's going to happen. But in my spirit, it reminded me, my friends said, oh, you're going to overachieve, you know, uh-huh. stuff. And I thought, okay, I really would like to overachieve in work and, you know, Bible right. translation and other areas of my family, but Hey, I'll, I'll take this as a sign. Mm-hmm. And then the next Saturday I was on a zoom call at four o'clock on Saturday. Who's on zoom calls at four o'clock on Saturday. It was one of those deals. The last two speakers used the word one. I thought, well, that's an old word. I don't know. So I, told my wife, I said, well, maybe, maybe one's the word. Use like I'm Saturday morning and I was done. Over cheese, good enough. And, right. and one. And then within 30 minutes, Dick Eastman, a man of prayer and every home for Christ, sends me his email and it's got the word one in it seven times, four mm-hmm. times in the verse he shared and three other times. I said, okay, mm-hmm. Lord, the, the Lord is one. Uh, the word is one. So that's kind of the six O's of COVID for me and kind of the lessons I've learned. To be honest, I've rotated back around and stuff like that, but I just, yeah. I feel like that for me, if we can come together as one, the church, we see a lot of darkness right now yeah. in COVID and all that stuff. What Light cast out darkness. Darkness doesn't cast out darkness, as Martin Luther King said. Light does. So what mm-hmm. happens when we as a church all come together? And John 17, 21 tells us that then others will know who you are when we work together. And so mm-hmm. I think the church will have an incredible opportunity in the days ahead to, uh, to be a witness to a world, uh, and we have the answers. And he's the one. Jesus is the one, mm. right, and stuff. So mm-hmm. one has lots of connotations for you. One, unity, because it's a word I use a lot, is unity. How do we unify? Right. Yeah. And then one, Jesus is the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There is a, a big opportunity for the, the church and the gospel to, to bring light. Absolutely. Amen. Tell us about Illuminations, the Illuminations movement a little bit. Our, our listeners may not know much about it. Uh, what is it? What is the objective yeah, illuminations, there's a kind of a term out there. Stanford did some study, and they call it collective impact. Okay. You can make an impact isolated and do mm-hmm. things, and we do, and there's reasons to do that. But collective impacts, what can we do when we come together? 
And so Illuminations is a collaboration between 10 Bible translation agencies, Lutheran Bible translators among those, as well as nine others, really, which are connected to lots of other people. you got the United Bible Societies, which really represent 150 Bible Societies. You have the American Mm -hmm. Bible Societies, but there's the Brazilian Bible Society. There's Bible Societies in most of the countries of the world. Mm -hmm. So it's the collaboration of that. And so along with five resource partners, so about 10 years ago, May of 2010, we just said, let's come together. What could we do together? in unity and oneness that we couldn't do by ourselves. The big, big goal was to eradicate Bible poverty, you know, and make sure that all 6,000 plus vital languages have God's word in their heart language. And no organization by themselves could say they could eradicate Bible poverty. There's, there's nobody could do that. But if we all came together, mm. then together we could say, Lutheran Bible translators can say, we are part of tra- eradicating Bible poverty mm-hmm. with our partners. And so that's what Illumination's goal is. And it's been exciting. These last 10 years, we've met with the CEOs and five resource partners 102 times. Mm-hmm. Now, we met in person. Typically, we'd fly into the Dallas airport because everybody can get to Dallas. The largest admirals club in the country is in Dallas at C21. <laughs> and so we would meet there for four hours, fly in, fly out, you know. Mm-hmm except last March was our last one. We met March the 10th. And since then we've had to do it by zoom. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm ready to get back together and zoom's great. I can see the people, but just to touch the people to be there Mm because these are comrades together. You know, what we do is we all have good days and bad days. We all get overwhelmed. There's other days we feel like overcomers, the O's we talked about, but when you lock arms with the other people on the team, then it just feels like, okay, when I'm down, you're up. When I, you're down, I'm up. And so how do we collaborate? How do we come together? And there's strength in numbers, but say noise attacks at the point of unity. And that's why unity is so hard is because the power is in unity. Mm. So anyway, that's kind of what Illuminations at a high, high level is all about, Rich. Right. Can you share with us a little bit about how you have this heart for Bible translation? Where did that start? And can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, I'd love to share that, Emily. Thanks for asking. That's a favorite question for me. Mm. And so I have to go back to February the 7th, 1998. Actually, the 5th, I got on an airplane. I was flying down to Guatemala. And the reason I was going down there was for a Bible dedication. And so because we had Christian bookstores and we tithed our profits, we thought, wouldn't it be neat to help people get a Bible that they didn't have? And I wasn't aware of it, to be honest mm. with you. I'm thinking there's 200 countries, there's 200 languages, everybody's got it. But I became aware that there weren't. So we thought, oh, we'll help pay for printing of translation. What a, that's something our employees get excited about. So mm-hmm. they said, well, you've paid for these printings. Why don't you come to a dedication? You know, and it's kind of like, okay, when can I do it? I have four kids I'm trying to raise. Okay, honey, yeah. what's the good, when can I go? So finally it worked out, Guatemala. And so I'm on this plane and I don't know much about it. And so they give me a sheet of paper and I'm reading about it. The Eastern Hockletech people, there's 30,000 Eastern Hockletechs. There's 8,000 of them that can read. There's 1,000 believers. There's 400 believers who can read. Now I'm a business guy and I like ROI, mm. return on investment, <laughs> right? I've just sent this money and you're telling me only 400 people can read the Bible. You've got to be kidding me. You know, yeah. I'm assuming languages means millions of people. I just, those two go together in my mm-hmm. brain. Yeah. And so I'm already kind of depressed. And then I look <laughs> and I see that it started in 1958. I'm going, oh my gosh, 1958. I'm born in 1961. These, mm-hmm. This couple's been down there 40 years translate this Bible for 400 people. So I'm like, I have no idea how to console them. You know, I just know I'm not doing this anymore, but I'm on the plane. We're down there. Let's go for this thing. So I get there and I get out and it's, it's Wycliffe that I'm with and the, several Wycliffe employees are there. So they're going to take me this dedication, you know, and like, Oh, okay. It's eight hour bus ride. I didn't know that. You know, I'm, obviously right. it's not Guatemala city. It's we're on this bus for eight hours. It was a death defying trip, to be honest with you. You know, mm. there's a couple of times I didn't know, 
if I told my wife I loved her and all my kids like I should have, you know, because I didn't know if I'm coming back or not, you know? And so, sure. <laughs> so we finally get there, and now we're at this Bible ceremony, and so I'm just trying to get through it, you know, and hoping there's a good story because the family's going to want to know a good story when you get back, and I don't know how to tell a good story when only 400 people, the ROI's not working. And then Gaspar, who is one of the locals, I mean, uh, Dennis and Gene Stratemeyer from America uh, were in the process, but here's uh, Gaspar, an Eastern Hoggletech, he was one of the translators, so that gave the Bible to him. They sell them to the people for a, you know whatever price is culturally relevant. But for obviously the ceremony, and they've got colors and all the pageantries and songs and all that going on. But now Gaspar goes forward to get his Bible, and he did something I've never seen before. I mean, in our Christian bookstores, we actually have a thousand different types of Bibles mm-hmm. in English. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. We got colors. We got different versions. We got you know all that you know. And I've helped people find the one that they wanted, but they never did what Gaspar did. When Gaspar got his Bible, he wept. Mm. And I was stunned by that. He took his handkerchief out and he wiped his eyes, you know. Mm -hmm. In that moment, the Holy Spirit put a question in my heart. And that was, why don't you go tell Gaspar he's not a good ROI? Mm. And I'm like, oh, man, it's like a spear going Mm. through my heart, (laughs) right? Because I've been saying that for two days. They're not a good ROI. And now he's weeping over that Bible. Mm. And so in one moment, I went from why... Would Bible translators go do this for small people groups to how can we make sure everybody on planet Earth has God's word in their heart language? So it Mm. was a man that I've never been able to speak to who totally rocked my world. I love that story. (laughs) Uh, Just it's so powerful to see how God can transform our hearts and our minds and that it's scripture and our impact and our relationship to God's word that really can transform us. It's awesome. Yeah. And what was interesting is it really changed me personally because the next morning, February the 8th, I'm in a $1 hotel <laughs> and I paid too much at that, you know, but anyway, right. so, which was fine. I just, I didn't mind up the, I didn't mind the hotel. I just didn't like paying too much. And so uh, we're buyers, right? We provide, pride, pride ourselves on being merchants. And so, at two o'clock in the morning, I couldn't sleep. I mean, this was a barn and it was freezing cold. And so I finally got up and Kay Arthur in her book said, being in God's word and knowing it for yourself is the key. Mm-hmm. And I know that I'm a Christian. I'm a fifth generation Christian. I'm a mom. i on my dad's side. I never miss church. I own a Christian bookstore. And I paid for a printing of a translation. Right. I have 40 Bibles. Me. I have 40 Bibles. Not my kids. Me. I have 40 Bibles. And yet mm-hmm. I don't read God's word on any kind of consistent basis. But mm-hmm. because of Gaspar on February the 7th, on February the 8th at two o'clock in the morning, I made a vow then I get up first thing and read God's word for the rest of my life. And so I was able Mm. to recently celebrate 23 years of being faithful to that. And so not only did I see Gaspar be transformed, but Gaspar transformed me because now I'm in the book. And I say, this book is alive. I can say that confidently. It will speak to Gaspar. Any language y'all want to translate it into, it will speak to the people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. God's word is living and active and that only by him can we be transformed. That's awesome. In the intervening years then, you kind of spun up this Illuminations movement, not you yourself, of course, but God working through a whole bunch of people that starting to all get in the same stream and see the same vision. What are some of the things that you've seen that have resulted from that alliance in terms of accessibility to Scripture and uh, other progress or things that you think are indicators that something's happening here? Yeah, one of the first things we really started with was it based on need, you know, and one of the first thing was in 2010, the digital world was really starting to come on to us, mm-hmm. right, with the iPhone started to do apps and all that stuff. So 
what was happening is we as a resource partner were being asked by a couple of different people and could predict more can you help us digitize these bible texts because the english was spanish but there's a lot of bibles that were not digitized so they weren't ready for the digital world so you have people you version happens to be in the town where i live they're saying hey would you help us digitize these texts cost about fifteen hundred dollars a text there's over two thousand languages that are translated well that adds up to a lot of money yeah. then you got the print on demand people saying hey green family will you help us digitize this text we're like well we don't want to do it twice right. you know and why if we do it for the ministry will they share with others really let's go back to lutheran bible translators let's go back to the different ones who have these texts and say hey could we come together and digitize these so the first idea that we had really was the uh, what we call a digital bible library it was a tool hmm. so what if we were to digitize the text of the world we were to centralize them and to standardize them so that the print on demand, the U versions and other people of the world would have one place to go. There'd be one standard and all that. Cause we as donors didn't want to build a digital Bible library for Lutheran Bible translators and then build another one for all the 150 Bible sites of the world. And then right. another one for Wycliffe and all that. So it was just a, as a resource partner and it was good for the ministries and all yeah. of that. So, so I said, we want to digitize, centralize and standardize, but the big goal was to finalize, okay. right? Now we've built this library it can hold all 6,000 languages, but we only got, you know, in round numbers, about 2,000 of them. You know, mm -hmm. then we got another 2,000 somebody's working on and 2,000 that nobody started. So that's our goal. And so tools like that coming together. And then we had a big vision to eradicate Bible poverty. And, and what do we mean by that? The ultimate goal is that every tribe, every nation, every verse is, is current in yep. the full scripture. Mm -hmm. But short term, we picked up what we called an all access goal, taking the resource partners and the ministries together Let's come up with a goal that we could do. And we set a goal of 2033. So we said, well, how about if 95% of this world will have a full scripture? So our goal is that 95% of this world would have the full scripture. 99.96 would have at least a New Testament. And 100% of the people would have a full Bible. Now, if the numbers are right, in 2033, there'll be 8.7 billion people. That means all but 3 million of them would have a New Testament and 95% of those would have the full Bible if we reach our goal. Now, it's a faith goal. It's, it's, a, it's a stretch goal. We also added that the top 100 languages, because there's so many people in the top 100 languages, would have two translations. And then we set another goal that those two would both be current, because some languages have two translations, but one of them's really, really, really old. Mm -hmm. So we want to get those. So we got with all the agencies, okay, top 100, do we have two? No, which language do we not have? Top 100, which ones need to be revised? We do that in all the languages. And so getting all that data together and all that is also another thing that we're doing uh, to make sure, well, what, where are the languages and all that stuff? Because it's, uh, and I had no idea when we started, I thought sign language was universal. Mm -hmm. You know, there's mm -hmm. nearly right. 400 sign languages. Oh, okay. Well, our goal is impossible. Might as well throw that on top of our, <laughs> our impossible goal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that is it's so important to be able to have that perspective and to be able to see this is this is what we're rallying behind this idea of unity and how important it is uh, because it's not just an aimless like okay lutheran bible translators is doing this but we don't know you know left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing but rather as the whole body working together that we might be unified and being able to see that vision of god's word in the hands and hearts of people around the world and i love that you know you're like it's impossible it's an impossible goal but with god all things are possible and just really just very thankful for that partnership 
Yeah, and thinking of the data part of it is just massive. Mm -hmm. And in my role, trying to uh, <laughs> look at those things, I mean, the impact of this alliance and just striving for a standard way to talk about things that are not standard. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the thing, and there's yeah. so much nuance and ways to, to look at language and language situations, but to say, okay, we recognize all that, but let's make an attempt to to see what we can do to try to have a common language <laughs> to talk about languages <laughs> and, and uh, what's happening where has been a significant objective and I think has the possibility to bear much fruit. I mean, certainly you have to know when you have an all-access goal, you have to start to know specifics of exactly what we're talking about in those things. And the, uh, the data work that's being done by a lot of folks behind the scenes there, too, is, uh, is pretty important. So thinking about the Illuminations movement, again, what's like on the horizon right now? Or what, what are you excited about for the movement right now? Yeah, I'm excited about several things. Obviously, the unity gets stronger and stronger. I think the data, as you talked about earlier, is getting stronger and stronger. We now know that the goal is 1,838,536 chapters. All right. We know what it is. We know that 899,917 are done and we got 938,619 to go. So it's taken almost 2000 years and we're halfway there. We get the next 13 years to get the other half, you know, so that's why it's an impossible task. But, you know, with technology and collaboration and working together. So I think the data is getting very good. I think it's exciting because I see resource partners that have come to the Illuminations event. We have an event once a year where we bring in resource partners from all Lutheran Bible translators there and as well as resource partners and other people we all come together and these givers have started giving about four times what they gave when they gave to an individual agency hmm. you know we just seen that so if they gave a certain dollar amount uh, many of these are six figure, fig, figure givers so if they were given a hundred thousand they're now given four hundred thousand because mm -hmm. they see the collaboration and they're business people yeah. right for the most part they earned this money they did something they love seeing stewardship on both sides mm -hmm. now there's a lot of hard work going on behind the scenes and if they really understood how hard the translators were working it would be even easier but to know that the collaboration's happening and that two people aren't because some of us as donors have had that experience. Two organizations are asking us to fund the exact same translation. We're like, oh, wow. right. there's plenty of them out there. Are we collaborating? Are we working together? Yeah. So I think that's very attractive. But we're also now starting to go out and we're going to do what's called a 12 verse campaign mm -hmm. because I want everybody, you know, my son doesn't get invited to this illuminations celebration, right? Cause he's not a six digit giver, <laughs> but he can give $35 a month. Right? right. And so a verse costs $35 approximate cost of a verse is $35. So this is the way that everybody can be a part of that. And so we're starting to roll that out in churches. We're working with some of the concert people and all that kind of stuff to get out there. So so everybody can be a part of Bible translation financially. Now there's lots of other ways. We need volunteers, we need prayer people and all that. And so, mm -hmm. so I'm super excited about expanding the horizon. There's lots of people who have, I just think we'll get hundreds of thousands of people that says, I wanna be a part. I can do $35 once, I can do $35 a month and be a part of Bible translation at that level. It's really exciting to be able to mobilize and again, having that unified spirit that all of the church is to be involved and in, to build one another up. Yeah, and that's what's cool is because you are illuminations. Lutheran Bible Translation is illuminations. It's not them and us. It's right. that's we're all part of it together. We're illuminations is not a separate organization, not a five hundred one C. It's just a collaboration of all coming together. So we all together can say, Hey, we want to be a part of eradicating Bible poverty. And so it's it's exciting. And there's several ways people can be involved. And I think by getting people to give $35 a month, some of those will become Hebrew and Greek scholars and help do, you know, consult right. and check. And they will be people who go. They will be donors because they'll say, I had no idea. I had no idea there was that many languages. And so obviously that's what we're really excited about, too, by getting this out into more of a, 
the larger audiences, there will be people to say, here's what I can do. I have time, I have talent uh, that I can give. And so yeah. it's, it's exciting to see, you know, when people find out, just like I, I didn't know much about translation. Right. So I saw a man weep over it. And so, so it's exciting to see what can happen when people know. Yeah, and one of the most frequently questions I get asked as a leader in in one of the Bible translation organizations when I go out and speak publicly or talk about this kind of work and what we're doing, the most frequently asked question I get is, how are you coordinating with the other agencies? I mean, that's that's what people are really interested in. How are you coordinating with the other agencies? And Illuminations gives me a tangible thing to point to and say through this alliance with these other agencies. And um, so, you know, we, we uh, love to, to talk about Lutheran Bible translator stories, but we also point folks to Illuminations.Bible, that website, and anybody listening here, you could go look that up and see sort of our alliance expression of the Bible translation work. And, and again, a lot of folks find that really meaningful. I think it's a, a great impulse within the Christian church that by and large, most folks say the task is massive. The task to share the gospel is massive, and there's no reason there should be competition in any way in it. And so they love to see that, that collaboration. Well, it's been exciting for us to see Lutheran Bible translators jump in both feet and just being a part of it because there's life, there's egos, there's all those kind of things. There's reasons to be separate, you know, and all that stuff. But as resource partners, we're very excited and honored that Lutheran Bible Translator says, hey, we're all in. Here's our resources. Here's our tools. Yes, if we build a tool together, let's share this tool. So it's it's been exciting to see the strength of everybody come together, which makes us all even stronger. So a question that I really have for you, Mart, is because I'm assuming it's been more than just Guatemala that you've traveled to now and that you've been working with partners all around the world. So what would you think that the American church could learn from some of the people that you've spent time with and in the majority world Christian church? Yeah, thanks, Emily. Yeah, I did. I have traveled several different places. I got to go to another dedication. This dedication actually was with the Lutheran Bible Translators in Zambia in 2016. Mm -hmm. And so it was a very different experience. You go with high expectations and all that. And so here's what you're expecting. The dedication was a little bit different in that the first speakers talked about the government officials and all that. And I'm like, no, no, the heroes are the translators. Start talking about the translators. Talk about the translators. You know, I don't want to hear about those guys, you know, but it was proper and, and, and that was their culture. And that's it's their dedication, not mine. Mm-hmm. But then finally, one of the last speakers, who's a female, because they're all male speakers, finds a female. She gets to, her name is Unique, you know, which I love her name because she was a Unique. She was a unique person. <laughs> Unique, who's an Nsinga translator, helped with it, was a part of the process. She gets up there and she thanks everybody. She thanks the translators, the people. I mean, she thanked all my heroes, right? Mm-hmm. And then she looked at us because there's a group of funders there. And she looked at us and says, oh, and I want to say thank you to the funders. Mm-hmm. Because of you, all of my people can now go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Man, it's just one of those moments that you, you know, you're doing this and you're doing this work and you're doing all you can. But for somebody to state it in such a way, now obviously they have to accept Christ and all that stuff, but just say, oh, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm helping people get a chance to go to heaven. And so to realize that Bible translation is so, so important for those who don't have it. And we take it for granted, obviously, here in America, because we've never had to wait for it. So anyway, that was another incredible experience I had. And I'm grateful for Lutheran Bible Translators being one of the partners of that translation to be able to be there with them as they celebrated. And just to see the joy, you know, I think for us to remember that Christianity is not about a drudgery. It's not an obligation. My goodness, this is about joy. Mm -hmm. This is about life. This is about (laughs) where life is at. This is... In the beginning, God created us. And so I think the joy of the Lord I just saw uh, on the people. And the other thing is sometimes you get in this mentality, or I do as a resource partner, it's kind of, 
we're the resource partner and you're the receiver, but that's not true. We're all givers. We all can be generous with different things. We have talents. We have time. We have relationships, you know, to see the relationships. We live in homes. We go in our garages. The garages go down. We don't even know our neighbors near as well, but that's mm-hmm. that can't happen in many of these foreign countries. They, they live, and I have something, you have something, and so we're there. We're neighbors, and so the neighboring, which I think obviously COVID taught us a little bit, right? I, I'm yeah. getting to know my neighbors better, again, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, because mm-hmm. I'm not traveling as much, and I'm walking my neighborhood a little bit more, and so I've got to meet some neighbors that I kind of lost contact with. Mm-hmm. So I think we can learn that uh, relationships are really, really important, and I can be more incarnational to my neighbors than I can to the Nsinga. Now, I was able to help the Nsinga by paying for the printing of a translation, all right? <laughs> but I can, be, I can do a whole lot more for my neighbor, you know, when they need something for me. And so, matter of fact, I've started praying for my neighbors by name. I got all my neighbors. I got a list. <laughs> and so uh, there's 70 neighbors in my neighborhood, and I'm a runner. And so I got a tape recording, and I tape them. So every eight seconds or so, when I go in front of their house, their name reads the tape recording, <laughs> so I say their name. Yeah, that's a level of organization. So sure enough, the other day, here's my neighbor out. His name's Glenn. I knew Glenn. I say, hey, Glenn's how he's doing. He's just fine. He says, oh, by the way, you mind praying for my dad? You know, and stuff like that. And so I was honored. So I've been able to email, hey, how's Virgil? How's your dad doing? What's that? But I'm just assuming now that God's going to use me. So I'm ready, right, to minister to my neighbors. But that's that's a lesson that I'm learning in, uh, you know, and to see this in these other countries that I've been to, that being a good neighbor, building those relationships locally mm-hmm. is, is really, really important, as well as obviously missions. We need international. Right. We do all that kind of stuff. But there's your Judea, Jerusalem, and to the ends of the earth. Right. Absolutely. That, I mean, Jesus' commission, that it starts off right in their own neighborhoods, being able to be a witness to our community and then trusting that he is going to be working out. And it's a a beautiful ripple effect and seeing how God's mission isn't over there, it's it's everywhere, and how we might be able to strengthen one another. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to go a little off script here, but I read an article recently where the author mentioned that in the United States in the Christian church, he said that there exists a dangerous biblical illiteracy where people just know enough to be dangerous, essentially, (laughs) is what he was saying. And uh, so you mentioned that, you know, you just recently celebrated a commitment to 23 years of, of reading the Bible every day. Just tell us a little bit more about the role of the Bible in your life and why that level of engagement is important to you or how that's had an impact in your life. Yeah, again, the Bible was important to my life, but it went to a new level, you know, and stuff, yeah. kind of an all-in level after I saw Gaspar weeping over it and just realized, you know, this is the most important thing. And so, yeah, I think, you know, it's an all-in calling. Christ mm-hmm. says, follow me, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So some people want to just have a Sunday faith and live mm-hmm. the American dream the rest of the week, which mm-hmm. the American dream is not going to make you happy. We can, well, the data shows that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As income has gone up, people don't get happier. If you have food, clothing, and shelter, happiness level doesn't change much, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about relationships. It's about people. It's a relationship mm-hmm. with God first, yeah. mm-hmm. with ourselves, you know, understanding who we are, with others. And so I think as we get that relationship, but that's what God's word's all about. And so, you know, each morning I start with Psalms 119 and 18, and I pray that. I say, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law, mm-hmm. you know, because this is a wonderful book, you know. Mm-hmm. Psalms 119, uh, 24 says, give me insight so I can do what you tell me. So my whole life can be one long obedient response. And then I pray James 4 and 8, which is draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And then I just call it my O-I-O-I, open, insight, obey, intimacy. So those are the those are the things that I'm praying mm-hmm. for. Open insight, then I'll obey, and then I'll draw to intimacy. And so mm-hmm. I just start with prayer, 
and read God's word and just trust that, you know, he'll give new revelation. I mean, I've read the same verse 10 times today or whatever. I read that verse. I'm like, oh, wow. I never saw it that way. Right. Maybe I read a different translation. You know, sometimes I, I like to compare translations. We got that, we got that advantage in America. We can sure. compare translation. But uh, like I say, this book is alive. And so if this book is alive, it's the only book that I can say that about is God's <laughs> word. Then there's so much I can benefit from it. It's such joy and hope, peace, you know, that, that God gives us. Yeah, I mean, if you really think of it, a book that is communication from the creator and redeemer of the world <laughs> right? available to you, it seems like a great opportunity <laughs> to, to spend your time in a, in a really meaningful way. Mm-hmm. So how can we be praying for you and for the Illuminations movement? Well, for me personally, you can pray for me as a father, a husband and a grandfather. I mean, that's my first role is to be the husband of my wife. You know, that's I've only made two vows to the Lord, one to Diana till death do his part. And two, to get up first thing and read God's word. And uh, I just celebrated 39 years with my wife in January. And so I've been faithful to that. But uh, I always need the prayer of wisdom and, and how to do that. I've got four children. They're all married now. They We have 11 grandchildren with our 12th coming in April. So what's my role to help my children and my grandchildren? Mm-hmm. On the illumination side, we actually have a prayer. And so I'm always encouraging people to pray. It's a six-line prayer. And that prayer is, God, your word is more precious than all that I possess. Your scripture gives light to my path and directs my steps. Through your will alone, lives are transformed and minds made new. So I now pray for all people that do not yet know you. For you've promised that your voice by every tribe and nation will be heard. So equip us by your breath to provide every heart language with your word. Amen. Amen. So I encourage all, everybody can pray, right? Everybody can be a part. And so prayer is the one thing we all can do. And so if people want to be a part of praying, that's a six line prayer. Obviously you can pray whatever you want to pray, but that's a six line prayer. We're just, we're trying to bombard heaven with that prayer. (laughs) Maybe heaven will get tired of it and say, just let's go answer that one. (laughs) That one's coming up from everywhere, you know? So anyway. (laughs) That's awesome. We've been talking with Mark Green, Ministry Investment Officer with Hobby Lobby and a Steering Committee member for the Illuminations.Bible uh, or the Illuminations Alliance of Bible Translation. Thanks so much for spending your time with us this morning. Thank you, Rich. Emily, I had a great time. Wow, what a blast to talk to Mark this morning. He definitely has a lot of energy, first thing, doesn't he? Oh, my goodness. I know it's wrong to envy, but oh, that was like... I just want to bottle that energy (laughs) and all of the enthusiasm and all of the gift that he has too of being able to be in community and being intentional. And I just love how much he has a heart for the work of Bible translation, but also the, the word being in the hands of people so that lives can be transformed. I mean... It's yeah, just and, awesome. And just his, his awe and respect for the folks that are on the ground doing the work. You know, these are the heroes. His role, he feels, is small to <laughs> equip and to help folks that have access to the resources they need to do that. But for him, these are the, the heroes out there. And I love it. Yeah. So we do encourage you, if you want to see a little bit more about the Illuminations Alliance, do check out illuminations.bible and scroll around in there, learn a little bit more. Lutheran Bible Translators is proud to be one of the uh, member organizations of the Illuminations Alliance. And if you have any comments or questions about the episode, please be sure to send those to us at info at lbt.org. Or if you're listening on any of the podcast platforms we're on, go ahead and subscribe to those, first of all, just to take care (laughs) of that business. And we love to see a rating or comments from you on those platforms as well. 
Thank you for listening to the Essentially Translatable podcast brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. Look for past episodes of the podcast at lbt.org podcast or subscribe wherever you get your podcast content. Follow Lutheran Bible Translators' social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or go to lbt.org to find out how you can get involved in the Bible translation movement and put God's Word in their hands. The Essentially Translatable podcast is produced and edited by Andrew Olson and distributed by Sarah Lyons. Our executive producer is Emily Wilson. Podcast artwork was designed by Caleb Rodewald. Music written and performed by Rob Veit. I'm Rich Radowski. So long for now. <laughs>